Super Talk Mississippi media production. Coleman Taylor Transmission, servicing Central Mississippi for over 60 years. Their ASE certified technicians offer dependable transmission services, a warranty, and record services. Call Coleman Taylor today for all your transmission needs. Howdy, howdy, it's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone and welcome to midday super talk mississippi i'm your host gerard gibbert and i'm coming at you live where the element wealth studios have been relocated to cleveland mississippi for the cleveland 50 nights of lights rhino is warm and toasty back in the super talk studios in jackson it is a bit frigid up here uh, atop uh, downtown Cleveland. I do have a little heater set up here at Rhino, but if you hear my voice start uh, shaking a little bit, it's my teeth chattering. <laughs> Cold front moved through the area yesterday, 70s. Today, uh, when I got out of my vehicle, it was about 45, a north wind. But uh, I think to... The big news uh, with the front moving through is a bit of relief as what was predicted to be really a very serious and dangerous situation with respect to the weather moving through through, turned out out to be a bit milder, I think it's safe to say, than expected. I believe there was some damage from straight-line winds, perhaps even a tornado. Uh, around the Bassfield area, also um, western, the western area of Kosciuszko is my understanding. Haven't checked this morning on the latest reports as far as that is concerned, but I think for the most part the state of Mississippi was spared, certainly relative to what was predicted, and it did, by all accounts, look like it was setting up to be a very serious and dangerous situation because you just had the old clash of two air masses, the um, southern mass that was draped across the state was warm and the cold front moving in from the north. And this was a rather interesting front as you tracked it and that most kind of come through the state starting in the northwest corner and then move through on more of a, a south easterly track but this one almost looked like it dropped straight almost vertically parallel uh, north to south uh, paralleling the state's borders it was just kind of an interesting setup but we never lost power i haven't heard of any widespread power outages if there are any please let us know and we'll pass those on but i think overall we were spared from what was certainly looking like uh, going back to even Sunday when all the weather folks were warning us that it was going to set up for very ripe 
conditions to be some very dangerous weather, including long track tornadoes, which, of course, you never want to see. But it looks like we were spared, so we are grateful for that. It's beautiful here today in downtown Cleveland. If you're watching us on uh, television or on our video feed, you can see a beautiful, gorgeous Christmas tree that is set up uh, in the neutral ground here in downtown Cleveland. So perfect setting for Christmas. We are so glad to be here and looking forward to uh, a number of uh Really good interviews. We've got Billy Now, the mayor of Cleveland, coming on at 1020. Dr. Butch Caston, the interim president of Delta State University, joins us at 1037. At 1053, we've got uh, Sarah Elward, chair of Cleveland Tourism Commission, also on the board of directors there, serves on the Chamber of Commerce board of directors. At 11.05, Emily Havens, Executive Director of the Grammy Museum of Mississippi. Also, uh, Kamal King, Bureau Manager. Trisha Walker, Retired Director of the Delta Music Institute at Delta State, joins us at 11.37. At 11.53, wrapping up the second hour of middays, will be Will Hooker, Bolivar County Tax Assessor and Collector and Administrator for Bolivar County. Also on the board of directors of the Grammy Museum, Gary Gaines-Paletti, alderman at large for for the city of Cleveland and owner of Gaines-Paletti Financial Services. Also wanted to uh, point out that that uh, Mr. Gaines-Paletti was uh, a partner in a CPA firm here in Cleveland that I'm not even sure exists anymore and was right one of my very first customers going back to 1986. We installed what we believe was the first local area network in a CPA firm setting for Mr. Gaines Paletti's firm back in 1986. So I look forward to visiting with him. And then Sean Johnson, the director of Visit Cleveland, joins middays at 1220. We'll wrap up the broadcast with Willie Simmons, the Central District Transportation Commissioner. So we're looking forward to a, uh, a great, informative, and entertaining day here on Middays from downtown Cleveland, Mississippi. On the ceasefire text line, Stephen Turner says, The thunder last night in Starkville was the worst I've ever heard, but that was it really. Yeah, I, I understand that from talking to some other folks as well, Stephen, in Starville. In the Madison area, it was the, it was the lightning show. It was just incredible. The lightning was uh, perhaps the most prolific I have ever seen. Uh, but fortunately, we did not receive the uh, the serious strong winds that were predicted. I kept looking outside and didn't have to turn any lights on to see the trees because the lightning was lighting up the yard and and the uh, the adjacent empty lot, which is uh, full of pine trees, which of course are always a concern. They're they're pretty easy to to fall when you've got strong winds coming through. But praise the Lord, that didn't happen. We are here today. We got that cold front through us, and as far as I'm concerned, we don't need any more severe weather coming through the state of Mississippi. We have had our fair share of of uh, weather incidents between the floods and and hurricanes and and uh, torrential rain, straight line winds, and of course tornadic and st- thunderstorm activity that has uh, been rather 
abundant. It's, it just seems like the last couple of years in particular. Let's see what uh, Thomas Greenwood says. All the wind was at my house and send a, a little crying emoji. Gee, I'm sorry to hear that, Thomas. What, what happened, man? Did, did you have some serious winds that did some damage to your house? I, I hope not. Um, I, I know that in this area, in the Delta area, I did see reports of there was a line of squalls that was producing lots of uh, embedded straight line winds, and I, I sure hope it didn't get you too bad, man. Sorry to hear that. Uh, let's see here. Over towards Columbus, Mississippi, got tore up pretty good by a pretty big tornado. People got trapped in a restaurant last night. Wow. Like 2,500 people were without power. Thanks for that report on the ceasefire text line from the 662. Very sorry to hear that. And, again, I have not uh, been able to traveling this morning, so I was not able to do any research and, and get an update on the results of the weather that moved through last night. But I'm very sorry to hear that. Hope everybody is okay. Um, certainly sorry to hear that we had property damage as well. Uh, you know, a couple of days ago, Rhino, was Cyber Monday, and sales were uh, at a record, $11 billion, and also set a record on Black Friday last week. However, one must bear in mind that the cost of everything has been increased substantially as a result of inflation. And so once you start plugging in the adjustments for inflation, it brings it down somewhat to normalize it with prior years. And not sure we actually uh, had uh, such a set records. We did, however, even... Uh, after you adjust for inflation, we did just barely top last year's sales for the same days. But so it seems like consumers are still spending money, uh, still have a lot of this helicopter money that's been dropped by the federal government. But also, we, we've talked about this before, reports from uh, the financial industry indicate that folks are buying a lot more stuff on their credit cards. So credit card debt is rising dramatically. Also saw some uh, updated reports early this morning with respect to unemployment and employment in this country. And it turns out that virtually every sector shed jobs since last month's report, except the leisure and hospitality sectors. And I think that's... uh, more or less a COVID lockdown rebellion is kind of the way I would describe it, where folks are just itching to get out and and uh, tired of being locked down as they were for a couple of years in many areas of the country in particular. And they're still willing to part with that money for travel and leisure, but manufacturing, construction, IT, healthcare have all seen a, a, a decline in employment. But it is now time for a break here on Middays. Once again, we're in Cleveland, Mississippi. And when we return, we've got Billy Nowell, the mayor of Cleveland. We're here for the 50 Nights of Light. Stay with us. We're coming right back. Merry Christmas from Dixie to everyone tonight. Check it out. Let's do this. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's get on with it. On Super Talk Mississippi. 
Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi. We are live in Cleveland, Mississippi for the Cleveland 50 Nights of Lights. And Rhino's going to get us canceled by playing that song. (laughs) Appreciate that, Rhino. We've got the mayor of Cleveland, Mr. Uh, Billy Nowell, now joining us uh, on the Element Wealth Studios. Uh, Mayor, good to see you, sir. Beautiful day today after the weather moved through, but everything looks good today. And uh, everything is going good here. We, we, we've had a, and it is a beautiful day. And glad to have y'all here. And what a great setting here with the big uh, Christmas tree uh, behind us that uh, we've got as part of our um, video broadcast. It's really cool. It couldn't be any prettier, could it? All right. So tell us about the Fifty Nights of Lights. Uh, this has been going on a while in Cleveland. This has been going on six years, and uh, it's really big in my life because my wife's so involved with it and uh okay. it's meant a lot to cleveland but it's meant a lot more to our families and uh kids from two to 92 it's it's just a special time of the year and uh, what's the great thing about it is all our merchants downtown say that the last six years we've been holding this uh, 50 nights of lights it's been the best years they've had in their retail businesses so that's what we're here for and it's it's been a great success well, that's what, what makes it uh, all worthwhile and why you do that sort of thing, to call attention to the town and bring uh, visitors in and, and, and bring the, the community in as well. And they come enjoy the lights, and, and they stop in the merchants and eat and do all the other things you right. do, which is uh, what just good for the economy. Speaking of economy, how is the, the city of Cleveland's economy going? Well, we're doing good, and thanks for asking, because yeah. we're very proud of how we've been able to hold up through the pandemic time and, and, and all the other times. We, we've held our head above water real well and uh, have continued to grow every year. So we're looking forward to another great year this next year, 2023, and uh, have a lot of projects in mind with all the opera money that's Well, tell us about now. that, yeah. Well, it's, we, we're going to emphasize infrastructure, which that is a key component for it. And uh, the money that we're going to receive this year, we're going it's going to be underground, so people are not going to get to see yeah, it as much. Yeah. But I think it's going to poise us for, for years and maybe decades to come that our infrastructure is in really good shape because, as we see around the state uh, and the nation, that crumbling infrastructure yeah. is a horrible situation for most towns. And, and Mayor, it's, it's when you talk about, especially underground, talk about water infrastructure in particular, which is, of course, a designated use of, of that money. The thing about it is it's not something you, you invest in and create and build one time and then kind of walk away from. It's constant maintenance. It's constant. It's constant maintenance. But once you get your major infrastructure down, we feel like we will be poised where we can uh, stay on top of it on a yearly basis yeah and our forefathers did a great job around here uh years back they they took care of our infrastructure and the streets and uh i think that's put us ahead of the curve somewhat because we've been able to put a little bit more years ago when you would put a few hundred thousand dollars in some boy you were doing a major project now now you can't do half a block for that (laughs) that's right 
Uh, that's a good point. What about uh, the condition of the various departments, the city departments? How are they doing? I couldn't be any prouder. We have about 10 or 11 department heads, and we have uh, meetings all the time, and, and I'm in constant contact with all of them. Yeah. And, and I feel so good because it, it, I feel like we're a family. Everybody tries that much harder to help everybody else, and everything that we do, we do in unison with each other. And uh, we've had great city clerks, which makes a big difference because, you know, you can't be but one place at a time. But all of our people know every day where we stand, what we have to do, and uh, we try to make Cleveland better every day. Gotcha. What about turnover? You know, uh, particularly in our department heads, we we don't have a lot of turnover. We we do have a new city clerk who was assistant city clerk, and uh, but our other city clerk that moved took a took a SEC her husband is a coach and took an SEC job so it's kind of hard to to you know say that yeah. we, when one door opens when the one door closes another one yeah. opens and that's what's happened here yeah absolutely staffing levels of course there's been a tight labor market the last couple of years how you doing there it, it's it's been a tight market it certainly has you you know the the day-to-day staff has, has we've been a little short on but with our department heads and our higher-up leadership, we've held on because, if you think about it, these are really good jobs. Yeah. You, you have state, re- you have retirement mm-hmm. and, and insurance and that type of thing, and you're able to hold on to a lot of people just because of the insurance factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's very expensive if you sure. got to go out shopping for that on your own. Or, sure. Uh, and a lot of other employers maybe can't provide the same uh, level of premium support and, and benefits in that regard. Uh, what, besides the the infrastructure and water projects, anything else you've got on the boards? What what about uh, parks and rec? That area got pa- stuff parks, going on there. Parks and rec are really doing good. We just opened this past year uh, a new soccer complex that okay. uh, we had a family that was very generous with us, and uh, we're looking forward. We've had a few tournaments, but we're looking forward. That is a really big deal around Mississippi. Is all sure. these soccer tournaments? Absolutely. They bring lots of families in, and, yep. and we're, we're, we've got a beautiful soccer field with five fields on it, and, and we're going to get a lot of good use out of it and hopefully get a lot of sales tax in through, yeah. through the year with our soccer yeah. programs. We've got uh, Dr. Butch Caston, the interim president of Delta State, coming on next, uh, Mayor. What about the relationship between the city and uh, Delta State? Well, I'll tell you what. Dr. Butch Caston and I go way back. Okay. He was... Uh, my junior high football coach, and it's not that much age difference in him. He graduated from Delta State, and I, I watched him with great admiration as a good football player out there at Delta State. And uh, he and I have been close for many, many years. He he is a Cleveland person and a Delta State person through and through, and I'd be a little remiss. I don't want to take anything away from him, but uh, we're so proud of our football team that went 10-2 and two this year. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, football's been on the rise in yep, Mississippi. No doubt. Yeah. And then you've got uh, we've got uh, reps we get uh, from the Grammy Museum from the Cleveland tourism area. I mean, tourism's a big deal here in Cleveland. Tourism is a real big deal here. I think you know, Fifty Nights of Lights has just been one of the engines we've had. But with Delta State and all the good works they do out there, we've been really lucky. For our weekends uh, have become a destination place for a lot of people. There are a lot of weddings here, and we now have the hotels that can uh, hold a lot of people in yeah. really first-class places. So we feel like we're on the move, Gerard. Yeah. 
any economic development projects, Mayor, that are kind of on the boards you can discuss with us? Well, uh, Laura, uh, our, our chamber lady has several things going on, and I really would rather it come okay. from her on okay. the line. But yeah. uh, I, I do think there are some things on the horizon that may be very good for Cleveland. Yeah. You know, one thing I noticed, uh, Mayor, it's it's been, oh, I don't know, three, four years since I've been up here, but uh, I've traveled this area a fair amount in my business career with my father and when he used to call on some merchants in the area. This is a town that uh, is really better and brighter, I think, than it was even when it was going through its growth spurt. I mean, you've maintained a vibrant downtown and just coming in, everything looked nice and clean. Thank you. New structures and... Um, houses and so forth? I agree. I think Cleveland people have a lot of pride. I, I've always told many times that people, well, you know, some of the other towns around have lost population, and we, while we've lost a little, we hadn't lost a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of new houses going on and that type of thing. I feel like Cleveland uh, had a good growth spurt because we were small. A lot of these other towns, there was just blocks and blocks of, of, of merchants, and, and they have moved on as families do a lot of times so sure anyway cleveland being a little smaller poised us to to be a little more aggressive and and we have our merchants downtown couldn't be any happier i don't think a building doesn't stay empty very long in cleveland Mississippi. yeah and that's good to see and it's kind of a unique uh setting and configuration with the neutral ground uh in the main street here downtown right the Uh, walking trail yeah it's really pretty cool it is it it, it is widely used too this is a active town and our our restaurants couldn't be any happier with all the businesses we got and and they tell me all the time they say you know we would say 50 50 on people we know that live in town here and people that are just here for day trips and all downtown merchants really draw a lot of day trippers in that's awesome uh, what about health care and access to health care in the Cleveland area? How's that looking? Health care is doing very well here. I, I, it's unfortunate that there, there's so many towns that are having a hard time, yeah. but, but uh, Cleveland has held on very well in health care. We could always do with some more doctors, you know. Sure. People that come to Cleveland stay in Cleveland, and, and we have some doctors that are just at the age that they are ready to retire yeah, and join sure. their life. And, sure. and that's definitely understandable. But uh, we're doing very good in well, that's good. Sounds like you got all the ingredients. Makes for a great place to live, work, raise a family, worship. Thank you. Yes, and sir. And we feel the same way. Mayor Billy Nowell for uh, the city of Cleveland has been our guest. When we come back, we've got a Dr. Butch Caston, the interim president of Delta State University. Once again, Middays is in downtown Cleveland, Mississippi for the 50 Nights of Lights. And we're coming right back to the Element Well Studios. Stay with us. Gerard Gibbert. Welcome, welcome to our show on Super Talk Mississippi. Okay, now you have a good one.
Welcome back, everyone, to Middays. We are coming at you live from downtown Cleveland, Mississippi, for the 50 Nights of Lights. And joining us now in the Element Wealth Studios atop the downtown area of Cleveland is the interim president of Delta State University, Dr. Butch Caston. Thanks for coming on, Dr. Caston. Appreciate you being here with us today. Thanks for having me. Yes, Glad sir. To be here. Yes, sir. A little chilly out here. A little chilly. <laughs> uh, but what a beautiful setting this is here in downtown Cleveland. Yeah, this is a great day. It's a great time for Cleveland. Yes, sir. All right, so Delta State, uh, how long have you been in this role of interim president? July 1 to present, and the plan is that I would go through June 30. Okay. It's a one-year appointment. Okay. And so, which time the board does its search for another permanent president? So, are we talking about the IHL board or okay? Yeah, right. That's that's what I thought. And um, so, I assume that process is underway now. Underway. Okay. And uh, so, what about your association with Delta State? Uh, It goes obviously prior to that, right? The, The last five months, I should say. 1963. Wow, that is awesome. I came here as an 18-year-old as a student athlete playing football. That is awesome. From Baton Rouge. And then, okay, and then remained uh, on? Um, Finished a degree, did a master's degree, uh, taught and coached during that time, went to Hattiesburg to do a doctorate, had assistant superintendent in Hattiesburg, and... I stayed in that position and taught part-time graduate courses okay. in Hattiesburg, and Kent White brought me back. Okay. Well, um, i got to assume then, Dr. Caston, that uh, the university has a special place in your heart. As does Cleveland. I love them both. I really don't see it separate. Okay. It's, it's a combined one concept. Yeah. It's a team. It's a community campus community, in-town community. Uh, And that's such a good point. Uh, Delta State, as is typically the case with universities, especially in smaller communities, they're so vital, so Mm -hmm. critical uh, uh, to the success of those communities. Yeah. Well, to the success of either. Okay, sure. If you want to talk separately about it, I, I don't know what Delta State would do without Cleveland. And I don't know what Cleveland would do without Delta State. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So they're inextricably linked, I think we, really? could, we could say. That's you got a lot a of great stuff uh, going on at Delta State. We do. Yeah. Um, anything in particular you want to talk about? Let's start with football. How about that? <laughs> I want to start with football. <laughs> Goodness. How good has that been? Incredible. And uh, I was just frantically trying to figure out how I could get to Dallas and back if we played for the national championship. Would that be cool? And meet all the obligations that and all the commitments that were on the calendar. And uh, so that had a way of taking care of itself. But we had a championship year. And actually, the last game, in my opinion, I thought we had it won. And our tank started to run low on fuel, <laughs> it, it appeared. So I'm real proud of our players and coaches. 11-2, and 6-1 and one in the conference, right? That's it. 
That's it. And then uh, head coach uh, Todd Cooley named Gulf States Conference Coach of the Year. That's wonderful. Isn't that incredible? And he deserves it. Sure. Man, he is a wonderful coach. And our quarterback received accolades as well. Yep, saw that. Uh, Shegog from Batesville, and he is a super person. Even He's better. A great citizen. He's, awesome. Yeah. Offensive player of the year. That's it. Uh, first since 2011, I believe, to win that distinction. That's it. Uh, let's see. Passed for 21 touchdowns. Had a completion percentage of 65.6%. And uh, produced 2,480 passing yards. That's just a pretty productive season, I would say. Outstanding. <laughs> Outstanding. And it's incredible now that if you look at, at just how football has evolved, you being an old football player, it, it has become more of a, of a, a passing game and more, certainly more of a balanced uh, offensive game and, and that you could have a quarterback of that magnitude, of that, of that talent, of that caliber, uh, at a Division One program, I think our Division Two program just speaks to just how really good uh, college football, college athletics, and how much it's evolved through the years. Yeah, Delta State has had a strong history of success, sure, in athletics and especially football, women's basketball. We've won national championships in most every sport. Yeah, uh, still lacking one, maybe. But yeah, maybe we get there. Yeah, yeah. and and an absolutely um, storied, rich history in baseball, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember going up; it it was really, I think, the top program in the state, honestly, at the college level, at all of all colleges. Yeah, back in those days, I'm, still I'm, outstanding. Well, I can remember when we played SEC schools here. I do uh, too, and beat them. We did well. I know. I remember one year the number one draft choice, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, was our one of our pitchers. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Yeah. Big well, left-hander. A bit of uh, off-the-subject trivia, but I used to play um, competitive softball with Coach Mike Kennison, believe it or not, a long time ago. And what a competitor he is and what a great coach as well. Uh-huh. All right, let's turn our attention to academics. So uh, sure. tell us what's going on with the accounting, the accountancy program. You've got uh, well, a couple we, of new benefactors, right? What yeah. we do, uh, we've established uh, a special award for John Kwan and John Yurko uh, in the uh, accountancy program. It was officially named after them uh, for years. And I, I can remember in the 60s as a student when both of those gentlemen were on the faculty. And I was an English major okay, uh, because I didn't do well in accounting, being <laughs> one reason. But, but uh, the campus knew those two men. Okay. And it's, it's a characteristic of Delta State. Uh, don't come here if you don't want to be known, because you will become known. That faculty will know everything. I had, when I married in my senior year, I had a professor to show up my ho- at my house with a space heater. He said, I just thought I'd stop by. You think you have use for this? I said, I sure do. <laughs> That's so awesome. It's that kind of uh, very personalized uh, 
relationship building. And the university offers a, a couple of uh, features, a couple of really unique programs. The commercial aviation program is one in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually am a private pilot and was trained by a graduate of that program uh, back in Jackson, where I'm from. And uh, and so you've produced lots of graduates in that area that have gone long on to have incredible successful careers in the aviation industry. Uh, and then you've got the the entertainment uh, industry as well is is uh, one that gets a lot of focus and a lot of notoriety awards yeah it does yeah the the aviation program is so critical to us it's one of the gems that we have and we have numerous gems it's uh, I'm a bit reluctant to start enumerating one two three four <laughs> Because I may miss someone on the list who deserves to be there. Sure. But the aviation program is uh, attracting a lot of attention. For example, uh, Senator uh, Hyde Smith Mm -hmm. uh, was key in bringing a $2 million uh, funding to Delta State and one of the local uh, ag businesses here to train ag pilots. Wow. And so that two million dollars over three years will provide thirty trained ag pilots. Wow. That's awesome. Desperately needed too. Very badly needed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh well it's just it's a unique unique program that honestly is known certainly throughout the nation, maybe throughout the world. Yeah. No doubt about it. Uh, yeah, it it speaks for itself, really. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Outstanding. Uh, before we go, we got just a few seconds here. The Entertainment Industry Studies Program. You recently won an award, Billboard Magazine's Top Music Business Schools in 2022. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. It, that says it all. That's awesome, right? isn't it? Yeah, it is awesome. And that's not so new, the matter of excellence. Yeah. It's had that reputation uh, for any number of years, and we look forward to uh, bigger and better. That sounds good. Well, yeah. sounds like you got it going on up here, uh, Dr. Caston. Appreciate you coming on middays and giving us an update on all the great stuff at uh, Delta State University, sir. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Middays is taking a break right here. When we come back, we've got Sarah Alward, the chair of the Cleveland Tourism Commission. Stay with us, folks. We will return. Properly set all controls before recording. All systems go. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. On Super Talk Mississippi. From Coney Island to the Sunset Strip, somebody's gonna make a happy trip. Welcome back, everyone, to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. We are in Cleveland, Mississippi, for the Cleveland 50 Nights of Lights. And joining us now, Sarah Elward, chair of 
the Cleveland Tourism Commission. Uh, Sarah, thanks for coming on. Welcome. Welcome to Cleveland. And our Beautiful day. Light. It is. Yeah. I was worried about last night and what y'all would be seeing today, but it we ended up too. perfect. Yeah, it sure did. And, and uh, what a great venue this is, is we are a couple floors up here overlooking uh, downtown Cleveland. I was just talking to, of course, the mayor and Dr. Caston at Delta State. This is maintained as uh, really a vibrant uh, downtown area for a very long time. It has. It yeah. has. Fortunate. I, yes, and I even own a store downtown oh, Cleveland. You do? so. Okay. Well, tell us about that. I own the Wishing Well. It's a ladies' clothing store that was in Shelby at one time and moved to Cleveland around the ice storm, the time of the ice storm. Yeah. But I will say one thing that's exciting about the downtown stores in Cleveland is we have a lot of young adults buying stores or starting their own businesses downtown. So there's a lot of energy behind and also with some of our more established stores that are continuing to stay open. And you said you you made a point to say young adults. So that means that maybe folks are even either moving into the area or perhaps they're from here and they're staying here or coming back. They're moving back. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Yes. That's so good. We're very proud of that. And that's it drives tourism, too. So we have a lot of people who love the fact that they can park their car and walk and stroll downtown Cleveland to all the different stores, which is um, very nice. We get a lot of people from Oxford, Startful, Jackson, Little Rock, different areas that come here when they have all the shopping in the world that they at their hands. Well, the mayor said since the city's been uh, putting on the 50 Nights of Lights, six years, I believe, is what he said, mm-hmm that uh, all the merchants report that business increased as a result of that. Yes, and we're extending our hours as a result of it. Um, Tourism has gone up as a result of it. We have um, two new hotels in town, downtown Cleveland and also on the West End District. So it's a nice place to stay. We have great places to eat, great place to shop. We've got pottery on the outskirts of town. You know, there's just... A lot to see and do here, and with the events that we have going on with 50 Nights of Lights. Yeah, plus you got the Grammy Museum. We got Emily Havens coming on uh, later on in the program. You got Delta State University, so just a lot to see and do. Yes, uh, and, and we it, have our it, train it, museum downtown yeah, too, right. and they are doing a fabulous job for 50 Nights of Lights with different Santa sightings, different events. Um, they're on Facebook, and you can check out the different events also. And you can check them out on the Chamber site with the co- on the community calendar. And you can also check it out on visitclevelandms.com. And, Sarah, you also serve on the Chamber of Commerce board as well. Is that right? I do. I do. So my role with tourism also puts me on the Chamber board and the Executive board. I got it. What Any sort of events or, or things in the works for the Chamber at this point? We actually are going to be hosting a conference in April, and I hope some of that Sean and Becky, who are coming on later, will talk more about that. But it is a conference that we've been trying to have for the last couple of years, but because of the pandemic, we have had to keep postponing it, but we're hoping that it's going to happen this year. Um, We have an ice skating ring coming up later on. There is something every weekend and just about every night that you can find in Cleveland right now with 50 Nights of Lights truly has sort of become the heart of the Delta here, hasn't it? We think so. We think so. I mean, we still visit our surrounding towns in the Delta, but we also get a lot of people here. It's amazing how many people who come and shop in Cleveland when they have to grocery shop because, you know, shopping simple things like groceries is something that drives people to Cleveland. Yeah. 
So uh, you're being you mentioned you own a store here in the downtown area. How's that going? How's is the economy treating you well at this point? The economy's treating me well. Um, there's the struggles of shipping is getting extremely yeah. high. Sometimes things are coming extremely early because they don't want it to be delayed or it's becoming very late. But um, the stores are full in Cleveland. I hear there's a lot of places people are going and they're not having the merchandise in the stores, but we have it here. Yeah, I heard a report on that this morning that most retailers have done a good job of trying to make sure they're caught up and have inventory in the stores to sell, having endured the crazy supply chain constraints mm-hmm. that uh, have really beset uh, the entire economy the last year or so. Now we're worried about this rail strike i don't know if that would affect your particular business but uh that that seems to be changing by the hour we'll see where where that goes but uh and and consumers seem to be wanting to get out and spend money they do even with you know inflation and other things going on they're still shopping and i think everybody needs a little retail therapy after all that we've been through over the last couple of years i think you're right so things things certainly look good and I just wonder how many uh, folks, Sarah, come here to see the lights. And when they're here to see the lights, that they also make a point to do some shopping and, and dining and then just enjoy some of the other shops and amenities. They do. And we had the Ferris wheel last week, and I worked it. And there were a lot of people that were coming and eating, staying, shopping, and enjoying 50 Nights Light. That's awesome. Sarah, appreciate you coming on, and uh, good luck to you for, for the rest of the holiday season, and uh, also thanks for your work with the Board of Directors and just making Cleveland a great place. Thank you. We're stepping aside for a break right here on Middays. We've got Super Talk News and Fox News coming your way. When we return, Emily Havens, the di- Executive Director for the Grammy Museum, Mississippi, and also Camel King, the uh, Bureau Manager of Visit Mississippi, joins us next. Stay with us. You could have gotten me a dozen donuts. And now, now. another hour of the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Begin your transition now. Now on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone, to Midday Super Talk Mississippi, high atop Cleveland, Mississippi, for the Cleveland 50 Nights of Light. Beautiful setting here in downtown Cleveland, all lit up, and with the uh, large Christmas tree in the neutral ground and the median here in downtown Cleveland, really a, a, a great uh, background, backdrop for the show today. Joining us now, Emily Havens, the Executive Director for the Grammy Museum of Mississippi, and also Kamel King, uh, the Bureau Manager for Visit Mississippi, is joining us uh, on the line. Good, good morning to both of you ladies, and thanks for coming on Middays. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. You bet. And so we have uh, we have talked before, yes. Emily, and uh, but it's always been remote, so we've never actually met. This is our first time. I'm so excited awesome. to be here with you in person. It's awesome. So we got a, a bit of a chilly setting here, but it is Christmas time. That's right. And it's supposed to be that way. We were spared of the uh, ravage of the storms last night, fortunately for that. But 
wanted to have you uh, on to talk uh, about what's going on at the Grammy Museum and also uh, Camel, uh, Camel, excuse me, to talk about uh, Visit Mississippi and how important Cleveland, Mississippi is uh, to the Visit Mississippi tourism efforts. Let's start with the Grammy Museum. What's going on there, Camel? Yeah, we, we're having an incredible year with lots of great programming, and we just had an incredibly successful gala um, a couple weeks ago, and I'm excited to be able to um, honor the late, great Jerry Lee Lewis. Um, yeah. So glad his family, uh, his wife, uh, was at the, at the event to accept the award and so we really raised a lot of money for music education excited about that and we've got a lot of we still have some programming to go this year so just monday night uh, this coming monday night december 5th we have our fourth annual have yourself a delta little christmas with some great local and regional um artists that will be here we've got 12 seats left i just i got the latest number as i was walking out the museum door this morning to uh, to come over here um and it's just always a sold out show and it's incredible we we love to welcome the Buford sisters from Glendora, Mississippi. They're um, got they've got they bring their own fan base for yeah. sure. And um, Trisha Walker and Jim Trotter. Um, we've just got a great lineup uh, at the museum for Monday night. So we're looking forward to a great program. We also have um, several Fitbeat series. Our free exercise class on the front porch. Again, pretty chilly in December, but um, we warm up quick with our free exercise series that we have on the front porch. And then we also on December seventeenth will have our last sensory-friendly Saturday uh, for the year. And so it's a, a program um, for, for children and their families um, to come in to the museum and experience um, the museum in a different way so that um, we adjust all of the um, exhibits so they're sensory-friendly and, uh, and children with sensory processing disorders can enjoy the museum and different activities. And that's free for those, those students and kids. Camille, lots to see and do here in uh, Cleveland, Mississippi, but the Grammy Museum certainly has to top the list. Oh, most certainly. Uh, the Grammy Museum is such a uh, crown jewel uh, for the state of Mississippi, for tourism, uh, for the Mississippi Delta, and just for uh, American music abroad. Uh, the Grammy Museum Mississippi is the only other Grammy Museum outside of the home base in Los Angeles. Uh, so that just shows the powerhouse that Mississippi has and is and has been in music and in formulating American music and its relationship with the Recording Academy uh, and just the amount of Grammy Award winners and nominees uh, that have come from Mississippi. So it is such a wonderful museum. Emily and, and staff do such a, does such a great job. Uh, and it is one of the things that we push the hardest, uh, throughout Mississippi and abroad when we go to other states and tell them they've got to visit the Grammy Museum and, and Cleveland, Mississippi, period. Uh, right. they've got to go there. It is, it is such a wonderful place to be. Kamel, what about the 50 Nights of Lights? Uh, how big a boost is that to uh, the tourism industry in the area? Oh, very big. People travel from every corner of the state and outside of the state uh, to come and see it. It's a phenomenon. Uh, you, you have to give major, major kudos to uh, the city and major, uh, Mayor Nowell and Becky Nowell and the Chamber and Tourism Agency there because that's a huge undertaking. It's like 
20 trillion lights. <laughs> so, so, uh, you know, people come from all over. And it gives people who may have moved away and that's their home yeah. or their family, yeah. is there a reason to come back home because it's, there's something to see. And as people get engaged and uh, people have all type of uh, long-term memories based off of their 50 nights of light. And it gives it's not a short window. It's 50 nights. So you have a long enough span to get back to Cleveland and experience it and, and get some down-home uh, love while you're there. Yeah, absolutely. It, it seems like that more and more, just thinking about tourism in the state in general, more and more communities are, are getting creative and coming up with these sorts of ideas as a way to attract uh, people into the towns, into the communities, because they know when they come have a pleasant, a fun experience like that, they also part with their money. So it's good for business. Oh, most definitely. And I think uh, Mississippi has always known the assets that it has. And yeah. its people, its music, its heritage, its culture, its uh, civil rights history, you know, and all of that. But I think each county, each city, each uh, community is finding a different way to mine the diamonds right under them. And it's showing its numbers in tourism and uh, the bottom line for the state of Mississippi and, and economy and, and everything. Yeah. Emily, I don't know that I've ever asked you this before, but I am now. What was what was the catalyst for your interest in uh, in this position with the Grammy? I was actually lucky enough to uh, to be a board member. I was asked to uh, to serve on the board to help raise money to build the museum, and I was running the nonprofit in Memphis, and really loved that position. And um, once we got started raising the money for the community and for tourism, which certainly is important, but I just realized the um, the opportunities that this museum was going to give for students and and different opportunities that they wouldn't have if it wasn't here, and it really kind of tugged at my heartstrings and said to have an opportunity to interview for the executive director's position was um, was an incredible honor and certainly to to be chosen was even bigger and I have enjoyed it ever since. I, uh, I love seeing our tourists. In fact, we're excited on December 6th to welcome our American Queen uh, riverboat tourists back to the museum after the river has been so low and finally coming back up some and so we're excited to, to welcome them back to the museum but it's something about um, giving kids and, and students an opportunity to learn how to play instruments and to give them instruments and provide lessons, provide workshops, and um, and just kind of um, bridge that music gap that they don't really necessarily have in education these days in, in schools. And, uh, and we love to be a part of that uh, landscape. I'm not sure there's another state in the country that could boast the rich history that Mississippi has in the music world. Yeah, and, and I love to share it. I love to share it. I, I love when I see visitors in the Mississippi Gallery, and they'll say, oh, I didn't know so-and-so was from Mississippi, or I didn't know so-and-so wrote that song. And it just really gives you um, it gives you great sense of pride to be able to share Mississippi's history. We have an incredible workshop that we do for students and adults called Why Mississippi? So why is this museum in Mississippi? And mm-hmm. it goes through just that, our legacy of music and the great artists that hail from the state. And um, and it's just great to be able to, to uh, educate the world and, and what Mississippi has given to American music. Camille, uh, why do you think that Cleveland is the perfect setting for the Grammy Museum of Mississippi? It's the perfect place because it's right there in the Delta. Uh, you know, it is a very progressive city. It's a city that was welcoming to the idea 
Uh, it is right central where I think the roots of American music have come from. So yeah. it has been a perfect place. Uh, it's easy to travel to. And the city of Cleveland have really uh, embraced the idea of having an award-winning Grammy Museum that, you know, Thompson showcases just how rich our history is in, in music. And so uh, it has been the perfect place. The city has been a perfect partner with the Recording Academy and with the uh, muse uh, museum system. Uh, and it's just another installation in our award-winning uh museum system that we have in mississippi yeah. i mean our museums are top notch we so can true. go and, and bout and go toe-to-toe -to -toe with any other state in america with the kind of museums that we have and now to have the grammy museum just puts us at the at the top of the echelon no doubt Emily, we got just a few seconds left. Anything special planned for the Christmas holidays at the museum? Just, just our big program this Monday night. Okay. We're looking forward to that, and, and we're going to be open and, and welcoming visitors and students and looking forward to a great December. Emily, Kamel, thanks for coming on Middays. Appreciate it. Good to see you, folks. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. You bet. We're stepping aside for a break right here. When we come back, Tricia Walker, retired director of the Delta Music Institute at Delta State. Stay with us. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. We're rolling. Hit it. Go. Play it. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. So this is Christmas. And what have you done? Welcome back, everyone, to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. We are in Cleveland, Mississippi today for the Cleveland 50 Nights of Lights. We are here atop the downtown area, perched in a balcony outside of one of the buildings that houses a law firm. Beautiful setting. If you can catch us on video, folks, it, it really is a neat backdrop. We've got the giant green Christmas tree that is uh, just off of my shoulder there in the background, and it sits right in the middle of downtown Cleveland. Really a beautiful Christmas setting. All right, so Thomas let us know that he had a few trees and one shingle down. So, well, hopefully that uh, doesn't cause too much problem for you there, Thomas. Um, but, yeah, that wind, I think, uh, was kind of, embedded in some of the storms and couldn't see it and it just pop up out of nowhere and wreaking a little havoc there so hopefully you'll be able to get that taken care of uh you never know sometimes trees go down and it and uh, you don't like to see that but sometimes it's it uh, can help some of the terrain around the area looking at the possible bright side of that uh let's see here also on the ceasefire text line Brandon from right here in Cleveland says, You're in my hometown, Gerard, of Cleveland today. That's awesome. Love the show. Listen every day in the tow truck while I'm towing vehicles. 
appreciate that, Brandon. Thanks for weighing in and sending us that message. Yeah, we were pleased to be here. It. Uh, I, I remember coming here when I was a kid with my dad, who used to call on a, a couple of the department store merchants here in downtown, was telling some of the the local native Cleveland folks about that, and they told me the names of the stores, and I apologize, I can't remember now, but I, Abrams, that's right, that's one of them. And I was always intrigued with uh, uh, the downtown area here because not only was it vibrant, but this, this median, the park that um, sits in the middle of the main street here is really pretty cool, and I just always remember that and look forward to coming up here as I did uh, traveling around with my father. Uh, around the uh, the various communities of the great state of Mississippi. And, of course, driving up through the Delta this morning on a beautiful, sunny, crisp, cool, uh, late fall day. Uh, always a treat. Not, not uh, a lot of traffic and not eventful the way you like it when you're traveling, certainly on the roads. But uh, did notice that the fields, which, of course, have all been harvested now and and uh, are, are down, no crops, of course, growing in there this time of year, but still the the rows are plowed. You can tell it rained a lot because they're all full of water, but uh, this time of year won't cause too much of a problem. I recall coming up a couple of years ago for Azar's big benefit tournament up in, in uh, Greenwood, I remember going through that, and gosh, that water was just all over the fields, and we were worried about the uh, the farmers and the harvest coming up, and and just the survivability of the crops with all that water sitting in the field. We had, to, as many folks remember, it seemed like it was a monsoon there for about six weeks that really wreaked havoc on. And then this this um, this past year we had we had drought had to deal with, and then we had the monsoons in August. <laughs> Uh, all of which um, uh, had an impact on our farming industry, the ag industry in the state of Mississippi. But last time we talked, uh, I believe we did learn that uh, when we talked to someone from uh, Farm Bureau, may have been Mike himself, the, the CEO of Farm Bureau, uh, we learned that it uh, seems like the farmers fared pretty well after that and hopefully had a, had a, a, a good overall year. But I tell you what's about to cause some problems for us here, folks, is this rail strike. So the rail unions are look like poised to, to strike and shut down rail transportation and rail shipping in this country. I believe there are 12 unions, if I'm not mistaken, involved in think eight of the 12 if i'm recalling the data the last data i saw have not agreed to the uh the latest contract put on the table by the rail operators there's a rather uh there there excuse me a hundred thousand members uh in the freight railroads just the freight operators themselves a hundred thousand union members now, one of the things that makes you scratch your head a little bit, if you're not familiar with what they're asking for, their demands, they, they presently have on the table, they want to raise, and what's on the table right now is a 24% wage increase. And that 24% wage increase, uh, 
pardon me, wage increase, little tongue-tied there, is retroactive for two years. So imagine that your employer offers you a raise, and that raise also pays you that same level, your compensation with that raise, for the prior two years. So to make up for the prior two years, essentially you get a check for that increased level of pay for that two-year period of time, and then you get the new increased level of pay, of course, going forward. This would be the biggest pay increase won by the unions in more than 50 years. They also want additional days, paid days off for, for for sick leave. And, you know, I I certainly agree that folks, workers, deserve paid time off for sickness, for illness, either for themselves or to take care of a family member. But I just wonder how often that gets abused, that folks just know they have those, those sick days coming to them, that that's part of their employment terms and conditions and they just take them off whether they need them or not and they get compensated for them and i'm not sure a lot of employers question that or verify that or require any any sort of proof that that they were sick or a family member was sick uh and not suggesting that people are are uh, overall dishonest but dishonest but i think we have to be honest there are some people who just feel like they're entitled to those benefits and they they take them whether they need them or not and it's not designed to be a situation where you just automatically take it as as so-called vacation day it's it's intended to be used for the express purpose of of uh of illness either by the worker or a family member now Joe Biden, he's uh, kind of falling out of favor with the unions a bit uh, uh, here, and I, it kind of made me think about Joe describing himself as Amtrak Joe and how much he was uh, such a proponent of unions, and in particular used to talk quite a bit about uh, his his experience riding on trains, which I think was ultimately debunked and just working with uh, unions themselves. But he says, I quote here, I share workers' concerns about the inability to take leave to recover from illness or care for a sick family member. No one should have to choose between their job and their health or the health of their children. But yet he does support a measure by the Congress, does Joe and the Democrats in Congress largely do support a measure that would prohibit the rail workers from striking? And they're not very happy about that. In fact, what the uh, spokespeople for the, the rail unions are saying, that uh, expressing their disappointment in the president and the Democrats in Congress, Nancy Pelosi's pushing for this in the House as well. They're pleading with congressional leaders to uh, to back off of this they're saying that by uh, trying to intervene to block the strike that they're denying them their right as members of the unions to strike and to express their uh, their grievances and they're also denying them the ability to receive these additional enhanced benefits that they're lobbying for which is what they would strike for so this is kind of an interesting contrast in conflict 
between the unions and arguably the most pro-union president this country's ever seen, the goal, of, of course, I've always thought of uh, President Biden is to essentially force every worker in this country to join a union regardless of what their occupation is and what their profession is. And so sounds like uh, they're going in a different direction here because Biden and the Democrats, uh, they, uh, they said they were unwilling to block a strike in September when it got really close, but now it looks like they're ready to act and do this, just that and uh, impose deals or tentative deals between the parties, the employers and the rail union workers. So we'll see where all that goes. Not really sure, but it, uh, it's interesting. What I don't want to see is a strike that causes further supply chain problems, especially around Christmas, because this could really send the economy into a tailspin. We're going to step aside for a break right here on Middays. Tricia Walker, retired director of the Delta Music Institute at Delta State University and Cleveland's Music Ambassador is coming up with us next. Stay with us. Hey, is everybody ready? I'm ready. Ready here. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. Racing through the fields on a rusty old John Deere. Santa's making deals. Soon he will be here. Christmas bells will ring. Making spirits bright. What fun it is to sing in 50 nights of lights. Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells on a Delta night. Oh, what fun it is to see the 50 nights of lights. There you go. How about that for some bumper music? Live bumper music. That's what that is from Tricia Walker, retired director of Delta Music Institute at Delta State University and Cleveland's music ambassador, also the founder of Deep Roots Music. That's perfect, Deep Roots Music for here in the Delta. (laughs) So thanks for coming on, and thanks for uh, the musical intro there, Tricia. Appreciate that. Absolutely. Anytime. It is the 50 Nights of Lights, as you said, and that's why we are here atop downtown Cleveland uh, for that uh, celebration. So we just had um, we just had uh, uh, Kamel King, Bureau Manager of Visit Mississippi, said it's like trillions of lights. Trillions. At least trillions, trillions. if not more. I'm saying gazillions. Gazillions. <laughs> gazillions. Yeah. All right. So um, I was sent uh, by a little birdie a, a tape of you performing, I believe, last night. Is that oh, right? Oh, my. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Where were you? We were across the street at Backdraft Restaurant right here in downtown Cleveland with my friend Danny Abraham Yeah. as part of our Deep Roots music series. We were just having a good time. <laughs> Had a great audience. Were you playing Christmas music? Or? We did a little Christmas music. We did some old favorites. We did some originals, you know, a little bit of everything. Yeah. Well, this is a music town, is it not? It this is a like music ground town. zero for music in Mississippi. It is, and we're trying to make it even more so. You know, you can't have a music town with musicians, and we've got some great musicians right here in the Delta, particularly in Cleveland. All right, so so um, your bio, retired director of Delta <laughs> Music Institute. Uh, exactly what is the Delta Music Institute? 
Oh, man. The Delta State. Well, the Delta Music Institute is an entertainment industry program for young people who want to try to figure out how to get in the music business, whether as a performer or an engineer, audio person, or business person. You know, there's so much talent in Mississippi, and we were losing a lot of it to some other institutions outside of Mississippi. And Delta State had the foresight and the vision to build a program like that right here on our campus, and it's been great. I had the great privilege to uh, develop that program over a 13-year period, and then it was time for me to pass the torch. Yeah. Well, that's that's really cool. So you and you've continued on. Obviously, you you were performing last night. Is that something yeah. you do on a regular basis? Uh, somewhat. You know, I don't I don't perform as much as I used to. My my career before coming back to Delta State was as a full time music industry professional. So I performed a lot more in my previous life. But now I, I get to go back to that life now as a creative, and uh, I'm enjoying it very much. Okay. So, uh, do you travel around performing any, or pretty much in the area? Uh, you know, a few things out of town, but I'm happy just to kind of be here. I, I had the chance to travel so much, you know, earlier in life, and so I'm happy to kind of uh, contain my performing right around here in Mississippi and in the local area, and and help other young people do the same. Yeah, and Delta State has a, a really strong uh, entertainments program as well. Why, why do you think that, that music is so uh, integrated within the university? Well, it's like I say, it's important, and I know you had Emily Havens on earlier. Now that we have the Grammy Museum here, Dockery Farms is just down the road. I mean, this is really ground zero for American music. And, uh, again, Delta State had the foresight to build a program where young people not only wanted to understand how to perform better and, and write songs better, but the business side of music. You know, it's one thing to do it as a hobby. It's another thing to do it as a living. So that was really important here. Yeah. And, and so you uh, also have the uh, the title of Cleveland's Music Ambassador. Now, tell us exactly what that means. Well, that was bestowed on me by the Honorable Billy Now, Mayor okay. of Cleveland, and uh, I think I'm just a cheerleader. You know, I'm just a, I'm just a cheerleader because, like I said earlier, there's so much talent in the Delta. Always has been. Yeah. And you know, historically, the great Delta musicians have have gone on to become great performers. Everybody from you know Sam Cooke to Johnny Russell, the great songwriter from Moorhead, B.B. King, obviously. But, um, you know, I wanted to come back here and, and try to help promote uh, young musicians or what I call weekend warriors, those who just kind of do it as a, a secondary career, uh, to offer them some professional services and opportunities to play. We've got some great venue partners here in town that allow us to come in uh, five nights a week and do music and, and entertain people and have the community really learn to value musicians more deeply. That's what makes Nashville such a great town. They realize the, the the great resource they have in their musicians. Who were some of the artists that inspired you from your musical style perspective? Mm. Well, you know, even though I spent my career in Nashville, I did not grow up listening to country. Okay. Although, although when I got there, I learned a lot about it. But early on, I was influenced uh, greatly by, you know, Aretha Franklin, you know, particularly, you know, Barbara Streisand, the great... The great singers, but then you know, around the time of high school and college, it was it became the songwriters: James Taylor, okay. Carol King, Jim Croce, all those folks who knew how to really write a song. Yeah, and it it seems like, uh, and and maybe it's just uh, just anecdotal to me that uh, maybe we're not producing as many of those as we used to. What do you think? 
Well, they're out there. They're harder to find just because of the nature of how the business has changed. Okay. You know, back in the day before the digital revolution, there were gatekeepers, you know, and, and record label presidents got to decide who you heard and who you didn't hear. Yeah. There's so much talent out there. You just have to look for it. And, and there's, you know, you can go on Spotify, Apple Music, any of the streaming platforms and just discover great music all day long. Yeah, and, and I think that has also contributed to the development of just new whole genres of music. Absolutely. Well. Absolutely. One of the one of the great joys I would always see at, at Delta State were students who were from very different genres of music sort of collide with each other mm-hmm. and come up with things that were really fresh and new. So absolutely. Hmm. And so you're also a member of the Cleveland Tourism uh, Commission Board of Directors. Mm-hmm. So uh, how much does music figure into your efforts there, the board of directors of the Tourism Commission? Uh, a, a, a great amount because, again, we want to be able to market Cleveland and say we're a music town. If you come to town, we can promise you you'll be able to hear music five nights a week. And what we've tried to do here with uh, the music that we're promoting is it falls under that broad umbrella of roots music, which could be blues, it could be country, it could be gospel. There's a there's a large umbrella considered Americana music and so our Deep Roots roster, we have a roster of artists, they all represent those different genres and so we can through tourism we can promote and say come here, listen to music Uh, if you're a professional you can go in the Delta State Studios and record Um, we've got everything there that they've got in Nashville or LA no reason to go running off, you can do it right here Yeah, you know my colleague Steve Azar, a very accomplished musical artist of course says that the Delta serves as a very strong inspiration in in his work and just uh, has termed it, I think, as just the perfect setting uh, Mm -hmm. for the creation of music. What do you think about that? I I agree wholeheartedly. You know, there's either, like Steve says, there's either something in the water or something in the dirt. And, you know, I think a lot of it, too, is because Mississippi is still, you know, rural and agricultural and lots of small towns where people know each other and they hear each other and they learn each other's music. Um, It's not so um, categorized. And so there's a lot of influences from a lot of different directions. And uh, that water and that dirt has seen lots of uh, stories through the It years. absolutely has. You know, maybe it's because there was nothing else to do back before the digital age. You just had to sit around and make stuff up. Yeah. And much of that is captured in the music. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Our music and our writers both. Uh, what about the the uh, others in the area, uh, Tricia, that are uh, musical artists that uh, uh, stay around the Cleveland area? Does that kind of mm-hmm. add... Uh, to the variety. Oh, absolutely. And, and as more and, pe- more, more and more artists find out about Deep Roots, you know, we want to try to, uh, you know, bring them into the, the bigger family, if you will. And again, try to, try to find ways to support the musicians because you can't have a music town unless you've got musicians. <laughs> and you got to take care of your musicians. And sometimes that's, that's a hot meal after a, a small gig. I mean, that means the world to a musician, you know? But they do it because they love it. They do it's in it their blood. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't tell anybody, even though we're on the radio. Don't tell anybody that you know we'd really do this for free, <laughs> but we do want to get paid for it every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I bet that's true. Any any uh, up and coming musicians in the area you want to talk about? Oh gosh, 
there's too many to name. Um, there's too many to name, but okay. uh, I'll, I'll plug our website, and your audience can go on and check it out. It's deltadeeproots.com, and it's got a listing of our, our core roster, which, again, has gospel and, uh, you know, some country, some blues, all that sort of stuff. So, right. yeah, deltadeeproots.com. Sounds good. Bump us out here. I will. Have yourself a Delta little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. Have yourself a Delta little Christmas. Make the Yuletide gay. From now on, our troubles will be miles away. Here we are as in olden days, happy golden days of yore. Faithful friends who are dear to us will be... It's so awesome! Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Come on, let's get on with the show! On Super Talk Mississippi. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. Welcome back, everyone. Midday, Super Talk Mississippi. We are in downtown Cleveland, Mississippi, for the Cleveland 50 Nights of Lights. And joining us now, Will Hooker, the Bolivar County Tax Assessor and Collector, and also the Administrator for Bolivar County. Will, thanks for coming on, sir. Thank you for having me, and welcome to Bolivar County. Yeah, uh, it's great to be here, beautiful setting, and we are appreciative for the opportunity to broadcast middays here, to be part of the 50 Nights of Lights. Uh, such a vibrant, thriving city right here in the heart of the Delta. My, my hometown, I'm a native here, Delta State graduate, and and I want to be friends with you, but you had me coming behind Trisha Walker. <laughs> and I know you don't expect me to sing and follow <laughs> Trisha Walker, the Grammy Award winner, Trisha Walker. Uh, that's awesome, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, uh, she's outstanding. Really. We're, uh, we're lucky to have her in our community. Great ambassador for great. Uh, the city in the Good friend of County area. All right. So it, uh, you serve as both the tax assessor and the collector. That is that somewhat unique uh, for uh, Bolivar County, or well, no, uh, the tax assessor collector. Uh, my predecessor retired, and that um, wonderful lady by the name of Nancy J. Haven okay. retired, and, uh, and that's an elected position. What's a little unique? I think there's me and one other person who also serves as the administrator. Okay, as the board uh, makes a decision on what they want uh, to move forward on that. So I got you. That's a little unique. Yes, I got. You. I understand. And you're also uh, on the Grammy Mu- Museum Board of Directors. Yes, I was. I had the pleasure to be there when uh, it was on the board, just an idea, a sketch. Uh, uh, when we had an opportunity, uh, along with the state of Mississippi, to understand the history of American music, uh, the Delta sometimes get categorized and issued with the blues music but i don't think many people know that all the american music you can typically find the roots back to mississippi 
And that was one of the alluring things with the Grammy Museum. They understood the history of Mississippi and the impact it had on American music. That per capita, there were more Grammy Award winners from the state of Mississippi than any other state. And, of course, with Delta State University uh, having its home here, we also had a Delta Music Institute, which had an educational component. I got you. And so that made uh, Bolivar County, the Cleveland area, an advantage to uh, have our Grammy Museum here. Mm-hmm. And so I'm proud to be here at the inception, and uh, I'm still a board member, yes. Got you. So in your role as tax assessor and, and tax collector, uh, how long have you been doing that? I was elected by the citizens of Bolivar County in, uh, in 2019, okay. and I took office in 2020, Okay, January of 2020. Okay. What made you decide to seek office and, and uh, go that route? Well, uh, uh, the first of all, we had a, a very good uh, tax assessor collector. I've been here a long time. Uh, that was retiring. And as the administrator, I knew the importance uh, that that's a foundational piece that sometimes is overlooked in the community. It's, you know, people sometimes say, you know, where's my tax dollars? And I, and I love to tell people when you're talking about your tax dollars, you don't always go by the schoolhouse that the tax collector office is where it comes from your pocket and makes its way into the government hands. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I've always viewed that the tax assessor and collector's office makes all the other departments possible. Okay. Uh, and I, and I, I tell people all the time, uh, when you look at departments like the coroner, the sheriff, all important judges, mm-hmm. of course, all these are important positions. But sometimes as citizens, if we don't see the judge in four years or we don't see the sheriff in four years, and especially if we don't see the coroner knocking on our door in four years, we feel like we have a, had a blessed four years. But everybody's going to interact with their assessor collector on a daily basis if it comes from your home, your business, or your vehicle. Mm-hmm. So the person that you have in that position, you're going to deal with on a daily and in, in, interact with them on a daily basis. Yeah, so totally understand. So, so one of the things, uh, Will, that uh, I think a lot of citizens uh, really look for and appreciate uh, about government is uh, is transparency, and especially where money and funding is involved. So, how, how do you work? I, I, well, one hundred percent agree, and that's a very good question. One of the things that we uh, since twenty twenty we've been able to do, and the key word you said is transparency. I believe in that. Uh, is that we changed the way we communicate to the citizen. We wanted it to be more, we changed from going to a small index card to going to a letter format that outlined so people can know exactly where that tax dollar is going. Okay. Well, how much am I paying to the school? How much am I paying to the county? How much am I paying to the city? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the square footage that you have down on my property? And we even color coded to assist the citizen. Uh, how much homestead am I getting? Where's my credit? Am I receiving it? So we want it to be informative as to what we're giving you. And we and so we changed the format as to what we gave to the citizens from that perspective. And we even color-coded. I got you. So to separate the different types of taxes you're paying. Uh, here in Bolivar County, if you get a blue notice from our office, that means that's real property, hmm. which is to Avalon to your home. But if you're a business owner and you get a orange that that's your person, but those are the tangible things that you have in your property. And the like mobile home idea. is green. I, so why don't all counties do this? Well, it's it's optional, okay. but I just think it, it, it's so such great thing for the citizens. Makes sense. and that transparency you talked about makes total sense. Appreciate that. Appreciate that explanation, Will. Appreciate thank you me. coming on midday. Uh, and thank you for being in Bolivar County. Yes, sir. You're gonna do a little shopping before you leave, uh, right? Yes, sir. That's where we are <laughs> in Cleveland, Mississippi. We're coming right back with Gary Gaines Belletti. Stay with us.
And now, and now, the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. That's what I like to listen to. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone, to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. We are live in Cleveland, Mississippi, high atop the downtown area here. If you can tune in to us on video today, you need to do that and see the beautiful Christmas tree in the background that is uh, uh, sitting in the middle of downtown in the median there, the little park median in downtown Cleveland. What a what a cool downtown it is. And joining us now, speaking of that, is Gary Gaines Paletti, alderman at large for the city of Cleveland, just bragging on the beautiful downtown area here, uh, Gary, and good to see you, sir. You too, man. It's been a long time. It has. Uh, we're kind of proud of this little place. It's nice. Yeah. We've, uh, it's cool. It's uh, a lot of good people here, and there's a lot of leadership, uh, a lot of volunteerism in Gerard. It's just, it shows up every day. You know, I tell people it's kind of boring around here. We don't have a lot to do. We got the Christmas parade here this afternoon, and the beep, and the uh, B Pack's got a show tomorrow night, and the Grammy Museum's got one next Tuesday night, and it's just. Something every day. Well, that's what keeps people here. <laughs> and uh, I, and the other thing that uh, I just remember, I was talking to the folks uh, earlier in the day about uh, my, my uh, memory of coming here with my father, who used to sell clothes to the various merchants and department stores across the state for a living. And uh, this town, honestly, it's it's maintained its its vibrance and its newness and its freshness, and I think that's a, a tribute to the people who, of course, live and work in the community that that want it to stay that way. Yeah, and and it and it, you're exact. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. You know, the one thing I keep going back to is volunteerism. We we have an excellent chamber as well, uh, and so many people in this community have been involved in that over the years. And I'm I'm gonna brag a minute on our board of aldermen. We have we have a great board that works together. And we really are concerned about the financial soundness of the town, and and we've even done things to promote uh, the development because even some of the we we engage people from um, like retail strategies to help us develop our retail stores all over this town because that's one of the things that's driving Cleveland right now. We have people coming from everywhere shopping because you just look downtown at this beautiful setting. It really is. You know, I had a friend that moved here from Illinois, and they said that um, downtown Cleveland looks like it came out of a Hallmark. I agree. You know? It really is unique. There's no doubt about it, uh, Gary. So i got to ask you, I didn't actually know you were an alderman till till I saw you scheduled to, to come on the show. How long have you been in that role? 18 years. Wow. Yeah. I can't believe I missed that because, yeah. of course, uh, the audience doesn't know, but you and I go back a long time, had a business relationship. Uh, you were, uh, gratefully, one of uh, my company's very first customers. You you took a leap of faith when, yeah, you, we did. when you invested in uh, the solution uh, for your public accounting firm, your CPA firm here in Cleveland that, that we install for you and was one of the early networks, frankly, uh, I think the very first one in public accounting firm uh, in the state, one of the, one of the first uh, networks, period, in the state, if not the country. We, we were blazing trails back then. Uh, what 
kind of prompted you to to enter the political realm? Uh, I don't have a political bone in my body, but I love this community. Yeah. And uh, I figured one of the best ways I could help perpetuate it is by being a part of the leadership. And it's, it's been a good thing because, uh, you know, we not just me, but we, we've got a lot of good aldermen on, on that board, and we all believe in the community. And you made the comment about us perpetuating uh, an environment that seems to hold on when other places have fallen apart. That doesn't happen by that. That's that's planned progress. It doesn't happen by itself. Yeah, I I can absolutely see that. And everyone we've had on today, uh, that of course are, are members in different capacities in the community, uh, you, you can see the the passion uh, and hear it as well. And it's pretty clear. And I, I'm sure that manifests itself into the quality of life here. Uh, that you have in Cleveland. I want to say this as well, though, uh, Gary, because I've known you uh, a long time and and known your work and your business. It's pretty fortunate, I'll just say, for a community, any community, but uh, uh, one, I think, of of this size, to have someone with your financial background and your business background to be serving in the role of alderman that's so desperately needed in government in general. Well, I, I appreciate that comment, but I will say that my predecessors were equally as knowledgeable in terms of the positions that they fell because they were some of the best businessmen in the world. Yeah, and uh, that's what you got to have. You got to have people who have a not just a commitment to the city, but a commitment to the whole economic environment that drives the city. Yeah. Yeah, and you got the 50 nights of lights, so everyone we've had on has said that has absolutely bolstered economic activity uh, in the city. Uh, the difference, uh, the mayor said that uh, yeah. right off the bat there. Uh, unreal. Uh, you know, you'll. I think at some point today you'll probably talk to our tourism director, yep. and uh, maybe he'll give you some numbers, <laughs> but he sent us an email a, a week or so ago about the numbers and what our tourism numbers had grown to. And it's pretty remarkable. If you go back and you look at sales tax in the city for about 25 years, it's had a continuous growth of about 2.8%. If you go look at our tourism tax during that same period of time, it's growing at a rate of about 5%. Wow. And you're looking at a situation where just about the rest of the Delta in Mississippi is showing declines. They're not even staying even, and, and we've had continuous growth. Well, what you'll see, another little factor is, since the Grammy Museum was opened six years ago, we have had another escalation. Hmm. Um, matter of fact, we met with some of our legislators and um, and the lieutenant governor last year because we were trying to obviously get some more help from the state to mm-hmm. do some things. And we showed them that in the six-year period since the Grammy Museum had been open. We had generated enough revenues to repay the state of Mississippi the seven million dollars they loaned us on the front end to get started. Mm-hmm. That is that is awesome. So I, I think that's just a, a testament as to the quality of the attractions and and just things that people want to see and experience and enjoy. And that's why they come here. I agree. Yeah, we love it. That's that's totally awesome. So, uh, tell me about the future. Where where do you see uh, that going, Gary, for the city of Cleveland? Well, I, I think we'll, we'll continue to concentrate on our retail strategies that we're doing to to further develop that element of our economy. 
but also we, we, we're trying to put a greater effort into tourism. Because uh, you don't see it today, but if you were here on certain days of the week, you'd see buses, tour buses coming down this street because we have two or three riverboat companies now that are stopping two and three times a month. And they're bringing these people to Cleveland, and they're spending the whole day here. So, So all of a sudden, you know, you used to laugh about tourist in miss in the mississippi delta yeah it's real yeah it's real now it, it absolutely is and so it's it's just this 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 interesting uh juxtaposition of the old and the new because uh the community of cleveland the delta in general has certainly progressed in so many ways like the rest of our our country and our, our world have but there's also been a preservation of history and uh, which is is so rich and so fascinating and intriguing, and people want to see it. You know, and I and I failed to mention anything about our little railroad museum. We yeah, have. exactly. And uh, you know, it's just it's such a treat to go there, and we don't charge anything for that to, for people to visit that museum because so many people have forgotten what the rail industry meant to this country at one yeah. time. Yeah, and it it is a great great testament to what that railroad industry was like and and the uh, everything they've got in there is so realistic it's it's pretty amazing yeah it truly is any sort of new economic development projects in the works you talk about well or? we've got actually we got a couple of them working we're working on right now obviously some of those things we can't talk about sure. but just because of the confidentiality yep. we have with the people that we've met with um but finally, after many years, we, we're, we are getting some interest from other companies. Yeah, and, and that's what you want. I so, it. Uh, certainly they see, though, uh, the, the, the passion and the love that people have for this community. And, and you've probably, I know I've seen it in my economic development efforts, you're starting to see more companies pay attention to that, just the quality of the, the quality people of life. and it's the quality of life. Yeah. And, when they, and when they meet and see the people and they see their enthusiasm, their excitement about where they live, uh, sometimes that can tip the scales in your favor. Sure. You know, I used to kid, I had a brother-in-law that um, managed a huge company in Houston. I used to tell him all the time, I had 21 more days in my life, those hours that he spent on the freeway going to work. <laughs> That's a true story. That's a yeah. good way to put it. Gary, uh, good to see you, my friend, and thanks sure, for coming Gerard. on. I appreciate yes, it. Yes, sir. Thank you, Gary. Always Gaines my pleasure Paletti. to meet yes. with you. Yes, sir. Gary Gaines Folletti, Alderman at Large for the City of Cleveland. has been our guest here on Middays. We'll step aside for a break. We're coming back with Sean Johnson, the director of Visit Cleveland. Stay with us. Back to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. On midday, Super Talk Mississippi. Once again, we are in Cleveland, Mississippi, in the heart of the Mississippi Delta. 
We are perched above the downtown area. Beautiful setting. Uh, Really neat downtown here in uh, Cleveland, Mississippi. We're here for the Cleveland 50 Nights of Lights and have enjoyed uh, hosting the show here and visiting with so many of the great folks here in the city of Cleveland. Speaking of which, now we've got Sean Johnson, the director of Visit Cleveland. Sean, thanks for coming on Middays. Sure, thank you. Glad to be here. So, 50 Nights of Lights, whose creation was that? Who came up with that idea? Six years, my understanding, has yeah, been going yeah. on. I've been here one year, so okay. I can't give you the full story. But You just uh, inherited it, huh? That's right. <laughs> what, I, uh, what I do know about it is, is Becky, of course, the mayor's wife, was yeah. very instrumental with yeah. it, and the, the families in town. I think the Janushes, Gen- Gen- Janush. I can't say that. Anyway, a family. Okay. They, they started the tree. And Which I is think beautiful, just, by the way. Yeah, it's a big tree. And uh, what is that, about three stories? I don't know. It's pretty yeah. tall, though. Look at look how it looks on our background. Isn't that cool? It is. It's really <laughs> nice. Uh, and then it kind of went from there. One of the things that amazed me about 50 Nights of Lights, uh, you know, I've worked with several cities, and an undertaking like this would be really a... Uh, a difficult thing for a city to invest in yeah. uh, by itself. Uh, but these everything here is donated by really? individuals and families and people with connections to Cleveland. Okay. And so uh, what the city does is it maintains them and it stores them. Okay. And then every year they get more and more people donating, and, and these things are not cheap. No, not at all. Uh, so that that's kind of what blew me away. The first time I had heard about 50 Nights of Lights, I was working in Houston, Mississippi, and uh, one of my board members came up and asked me if I knew about it. This was a couple of years ago, and I said, no, I hadn't heard about it, and he told me about it. And so we should try and do that here. And now that I understand how they do it, I know that it would be very difficult for a lot of towns to do this. And it's, yeah. it's just one of the many ways, I think, that, that Cleveland really punches above its weight. I'm really glad you pointed that out. I mean, that's good to know because uh, it, it's even more special, in my view, when it's uh, kind of a joint effort by the private sector and the public sector, in this case, to really make something good oh, happen. Oh, absolutely. The and there's a lot of authenticity that comes with that. I know. I know some of these... Uh, these these displays, these lights displays, have uh, stories behind them. Uh, like we've got one of a cat playing uh, under a Christmas tree. And that was because uh, a widow uh, and her husband had a cat. And they, she did it in honor of her husband, who loved the cat. I'll be darned. And so you've got these beautiful stories <laughs> all along here. There's a... a, a a basketball player who who did very well at Delta State, uh, and so the basketball thing came from him. So yeah, all these stories. Well, uh, isn't that so Delta like though? It when really you think is. about it, yeah, <laughs> because yeah. Uh, again, such a rich history that's been carried on and preserved through the ages, and and so much of the culture really still rooted in in much of that history. Certainly. In, in the music and in the arts in general, and, sure. and that, that just makes total sense. Uh, so tell, tell us exactly what you do as the director of Visit uh, Cleveland, Sean. What, what does that role entail? Well, it's, it's promoting Cleveland, you know, promoting Cleveland to, to, to visitors, and uh, the way I like to look at it is also just a great place to live. Uh, every visitor, in my mind, is a potential resident. And as you're aware, the Delta has lost a lot of population over the past few decades. And uh, I think that, you know, uh, I mean, I just came from, uh, I drove in from Louisville, Kentucky, not a big city last night. But just spending the time in that traffic, 
I was so thankful of where I lived, right. you know, and Cleveland's just in this little Goldilocks space where it's small enough that you, you don't have to deal with the problems of a big city, and yet with uh, the good government here and Delta State and some forward-thinking uh, folks who live here, you get a lot of benefits of bigger cities, like we have the Bologna Center for the Performing Arts. And, uh, you know, you see first Broadway shows. We've got the Million Dollar Quartet Christmas coming this weekend. And I remember when I first got here, I saw Dionne Warwick and, you know, things that I would never see in a town of 10,000 people and anywhere else that I could think of uh, in Mississippi. And, heck, I mean, Cleveland's got 53 pieces of sculpture around town. Hmm. More sculpture than, I think, any other city of any size uh, in the state of Mississippi. probably of any city of this size anywhere yeah and that just shows a lot too i mean it when i when i when i came and looked at cleveland before i took the job i i noticed the sculpture and i noticed that there were three frame shops in town and i thought well people like original art here so you know it's it's a different uh you know a different place it it tells you something about what people appreciate and through that you can kind of uh, figure out what to expect from a town and i've not been disappointed so uh, to answer your question my job is to try and convey that gotcha to everybody whether they're coming for a weekend or looking to a pl- for a place to retire or whatnot that, that cleveland should be on their list of considerations makes sense so you're really uh i think the advantage that the town has is you're blending uh, the, the small town amenities and atmosphere and the, and the lack of congestion and smog and traffic and and uh, the hassles associated with that but you but you've also offer uh, many of the cultural amenities and other attractions that are typically only found in the much bigger cities that's right that's right there's a they're really good quality of life here and you know prior to coming to Cleveland uh, I hadn't been here. And so it was a complete surprise to me. And one of the things that excited me about this position was I'm going to get to share this with everybody (laughs) because the surprise I got and the joy that I got from, you know, that I stayed at the Cotton House and I walked around downtown and I walked from my hotel to the restaurant and it was just a beautiful, friendly place. And I thought, I'm going to get to share this with with everybody mm-hmm. and uh and i i get a lot of joy out of that and so i was really excited about the position and i think it was a good decision to come here now do you have a staff that works with you as well well i work within the chamber so okay. we all kind of work together i got you. uh you know like there's a, a chamber uh the controller takes care of a lot of stuff sure but as far as me no it's just it's just pretty much me of sure. course now uh yeah, I, I do design. I do a lot of stuff in house. So okay, yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, do you have folks that have come that you've personally run into that have come from outside of the country that have come to Cleveland? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Run to what them. brings them here? Uh, they read about things. Uh, they read about Cleveland. Of course, the Grammy Museum is a big sure. draw. Dockery uh, for people who who know about the blues and the origins of blues music. Uh, Dockery is a, a must stop for them. Uh, recently, we've had some uh, good uh, press about, uh, this is in Rosedale, but I, I consider that kind of yeah. part of Cleveland, yeah. uh, or a greater Cleveland, if you will. Uh, but the uh, the White Front Cafe, people are getting turned on to her tamales over there. <laughs> it's uh, They're fantastic tamales, if you like Delta tamales, and it's just such an experience to go there. And we've been able to see that when we get that written about, 
people talk about it. I go over and visit with her, and she tells me we've had people from all over. Incredible. You know, yeah, Germans, yeah. Uh, Germany, wow. lots of Germans come. Uh, we've had Italians and French people. Uh, I just got back from a conference, uh, the Travel South International Showcase, where we, uh, you know, in America, we generally, when we travel, we plan our own trips. But in Europe, uh, people often go to an agency or okay. a travel planner. Mm-hmm. So. I was meeting, we met with 36 travel planners over the last two days <laughs> and uh, talked to them about Cleveland and told them about Dockery and the uh, Cleveland kind of being the, you know, in the epicenter of where the blues got started. And then, of course, our, our downtown, um, you know, one of the things that we've started in the last couple of years is uh, we've got a, a music, live music five nights a week here. So they love that. Uh you know, and I, I think that that uh, those relationships w- that we're building with these international travel planners are really going to start to pay out over hmm. the next couple of years. Yeah. So, uh, have you ever run into any any uh, individuals, or groups that that come here, and and maybe their perception was uh, was different than it was when they left, and and they were somewhat shocked when they got here and found this wasn't what I ex- was expecting in a positive way. Of yeah, course. absolutely. Well, you know, I mean, for me, it was not the Delta that I expected. When I was told about the job, the first thing they said was in the Delta, and I said, I'm really not. And where'd you come from? I was I was working in Houston, Mississippi. Okay. And uh, prior to this, I got you. Uh, but I. My when I moved back to Mississippi, I was in. Uh, I started in tourism in Tupelo, and then uh, New Albany, and then was doing economic development work in Houston. I see. And came over here, and uh, and then of course when when I came over, a lot of people I knew from that part of the state started coming over, and they've all been blown away. It's something with, that's uh, great. Without is so. Sean, appreciate you coming on middays, and congratulations on all the success here. Of uh, obviously, you guys are doing a good job getting the word out and promoting the city of Cleveland. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Sean Johnson, director of Visit Cleveland, has been our guest here on Middays. That's where we are, Cleveland, Mississippi, downtown, for fifty nights of lights. Uh, we got a couple of segments left. Willie Simmons, Central District Transportation Commissioner, is going to be on Middays in one of those. Stay tuned. You're listening to Middays with Gerard. Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone, to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. We are in Cleveland, Mississippi, for the 50 Nights of Lights. Once again, we're in downtown Cleveland on the second floor of a building here in the middle of downtown overlooking the the beautiful median uh, that, that runs in the middle of the street here in downtown Cleveland, the main uh, downtown street, main street. And beautiful Christmas tree in the background. If you're able to watch us on video today, check it out. Really is a, a, 
a nice setting, Rhino, that we don't have down there in the studio. We don't have a three-story Christmas tree <laughs> behind us, typically. Uh, but uh, really is nice up here today. It's just a little chilly. They got me, uh, Scary Gary in Houston sent me up a couple of little space heaters, Rhino. But the problem is the space heaters are pushing a little heat in one direction, and the wind is coming from the other. So I don't think... I don't think it's actually hitting me, but uh, we, uh, other than that, have been faring well and had a great program, lots of great guests talking about the great city of Cleveland. So while we were on the break, I did receive a notification from the Wall Street Journal on my handy little smartphone there that says the House has approved imposing a railroad labor deal. We were just talking about this. And it includes uh, a paid sick leave measure, which is one of the, the sticking points that had the two sides separated. And so this is a tentative agreement at this point, but uh, it, it looks like it is poised to pa- pass the House, go to the Senate. The president will uh, likely support it. He certainly has signaled that he would. And uh, Republicans are on board as well. It will require 60 votes, of course, in the Senate, as we have discussed uh, frequently, that any sort of measures such as this that cannot pass through budget reconciliation in accordance with those rules with a simple majority 51 votes in the Senate does have to receive 60 votes, a supermajority, a filibuster-proof majority procedurally to pass and send to the uh, the president so it looks like this is this is going to go house the house voted 290 to 137 and it essentially what it does is it forces the adoption of a tentative labor agreement by the rail workers using the power of this goes back so you wonder how does the government how can it get involved in this right this actually stems from a 1926 law that allows Congress to intervene in railroad disputes when they threaten to disrupt the U.S. economy. So on the paid leave uh, issue, lawmakers voted 221 to 207. It was pretty close, this is being the House, to approve the proposal with Democrats in favor and almost all Republicans opposed. Not surprising. Glad to hear that uh, the Republicans held the line there. And and the question becomes, once again, not only what is the role of government, but uh, also uh, going back to a text we received earlier from Karen and Ripley, but also when you think about the benefits side of employment, we've all, I think most of us at least, have, have just become accustomed to that, where your employer not only uh, compensates you in the way of salary and wages, in the form of salary and wages for the work that you perform and you produce uh, for the company, but also uh, you're compensated in the way of uh, just an assortment, an array of benefits which have become very commonplace in, in, our, in our society, in our country, from the employer. By the way, you may not realize that that actually goes back to World War II. The whole idea of, of health insurance in particular, which is 
arguably the biggest benefit any of us receive from a monetary perspective. The idea, the concept of health insurance being provided by your employer goes back to World War II, and, and it was at a time when there were some government controls imposed to try to keep labor prices down. There was, like, there was wage controls imposed during World War II, uh, and, and that was just an, uh, an effort in uh, the war effort itself. So it, it was a, a move on the part of the government, I should say, to, to benefit the war effort, to support the war effort. And so employers found a way to get around the pay issue, the, the direct compensation salary wage issue, by offering these so-called fringe benefits in health insurance was one of them. That's where it actually came from. Now, that has evolved way beyond that, right? Because not only do we have health insurance, but uh, many employers also offer savings plans, 401K savings plans. Uh, some offer private pensions pl- pension plans, although not as many of those anymore. And then, of course, you've got uh, vacation time and paid time off and sick leave and we used to have in my company what we call personal days, um, and they were just to take care of personal business. It was just a benefit we afforded our employees to, to take care of personal business that you had to attend to uh, during business hours that, that didn't count towards your vacation or your sick time. But a lot of employers now just offer this one big bucket of what they call PTO, paid time off, and you just you use it however you you choose to. Also, uh, bereavement, you've seen that as well as a benefit. So th- this whole idea of benefits uh, has, has just blossomed and expanded dramatically. Many employers, large especially, also offer uh, in-house child care services. Uh, lots of employers have cafeterias and provide food. I mean, it just the list goes on and on. And look, free market, right? It, um, I got no issue with that. This is the way that uh, employers compete for talent, for employees, for staff, for workers. No problem. So uh, it's not in, uh, I think, uh, within my realm or any of us to say, well, what's reasonable and what's not in that respect, because everybody kind of has a different view of that. There's no consensus. Clearly, that's why the railroads and <laughs> and the rail workers are at odds here. So you got the government intervening simply because we have a 1926 legacy law specifically re- pertaining to railroads that uh, allows the Congress to get involved, the government to get involved, to avert a shutdown that would would honestly cripple much of the nation's economy. Who could forget, if you were around then, and even if you weren't, maybe you've read the, the history of this, when when the air traffic controllers strike, went on strike when President Reagan was in the White House, and, and uh, they, they bolted because they were lobbying for, for more pay and benefits. And, of course, they worked for the federal government and were part of a union, and they went on strike, which, of course, threatened to to shut down the entire um, complement of air travel in this country, which could cripple the economy. And Ronald Reagan stood his ground and did not respond by meeting their needs and went out and hired other other workers to serve in that 
uh, in that capacity that had the skills, that were qualified. It, it was difficult to get that up and running and to make that transition, but he was successful ultimately in doing that and never never actually um, went their way, came, came to uh, compromise with them. So he stood, he stood his ground. Lost my train of thought. Sorry about that. Reading a couple of texts here. Thomas and Greenwood, of course, says, why hasn't that law been repealed, Thomas? That would be a question for um, your senators and representatives. Dane Gerard, CJ in the Delta, says, I had to work out of town today. Would love to have stopped by. The middle ground is called the Green Strip. Okay, thanks for that, CJ. Appreciate that. Thank you for letting me know that. That's CJ in the Delta talking about the uh, the park area in the median here known as the Green Strip that uh, separates the, the roadway, the, uh, the main downtown uh, roadway here in the Delta. Uh, let's see here. The Yeah, Karen and Ripley, I want to get to this. Uh, uh, earlier said, I, I just made the, the point that, you know, a lot of times I, I do believe this, that employees, and this may come as a shock to people, and I'm, I'm certainly not trying to indict anyone here, and I'm not trying to generalize here, but let's be honest, every, every worker... Uh, we don't go to the to our workplace every day and, or while we're so-called on the clock and spend every single waking minute of our time while we're getting paid focused on our work and producing for our employer. We just don't. It's it, And I think most employers know that, expect that. But, you know, there's got to be some reasonableness test applied there. But I do think there is often abuse when it comes to the sick leave and, and some of the other uh, time off benefits that uh, I think sometimes get taken advantage of. I'm not really going to back off from that and be naive about that. But but Karen made a point. She said uh, a lot of a lot of those days they take off for sick time or just used for dentist and doctor appointments. And I just simply made a statement. Yeah, but that doesn't take all day. And she said, well, a lot of them don't let you come back. We're taking a break right here on Midday's final segment coming up next with uh, Transportation Commissioner Willie Simmons. You're listening to Midday's with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone, to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. We are in Cleveland, Mississippi, for the Cleveland 50 Nights of Lights. And have enjoyed our time here today, for sure. Beautiful day, beautiful setting, beautiful town. Joining us now, Willie Simmons, the Central District Transportation Commissioner. Commissioner, thanks for coming on Middays. Always good to see you, sir. Gerard, let me welcome you to Cleveland. Thank you for coming up. Yes, sir. Uh, it's always good to see you, and to be in Cleveland is extremely great to see you. Yes, sir, and it's good to be here. Everybody has been uh, just a delight to talk to, and, and the one thing that uh, is common and resonates, uh, Commissioner, in, in talking to uh, the mayor and the president of Delta State, uh, Gary Gaines Paletti, my friend, old friend, uh, alderman at large, uh, the visit um, – 
Cleveland folks, the Sean Johnson, the Grammy Museum, Emily Havens, anyhow, all of them uh, really share the common love and passion for this community. They're and just good people. That's what it's about. You you had some great guests. I heard a few of them, and they spoke well of Cleveland and the surrounding area. And I echo all of that because Cleveland is a great place to be. Uh, I consider it to be somewhat of the shining light and star of the uh, Mississippi Delta. It's a growing community. Uh, Mel Niles and his administration is doing a great job in growing it. And we have a lot of support coming from the public sector as well as the private sector for Cleveland. Yeah, it, it sure seems so, Commissioner. And, and the one thing that struck me is I, I have shared that I remember coming here as a child with my father. He used to call on a couple of the merchants here, the department stores. He was in a clothing rep. But uh, the the town has has still looks fresh and as vibrant as it did a long time ago when I, when I was in in grade and middle school, but I think that's a testament to the people that that live here that that want to keep it vibrant and thriving and and they've done so, and it's paid off economically for them as well. Well, Cleveland, unlike a lot of communities, has been able to stabilize itself. And with all of the hardships and the challenges that we have had with the economy and then COVID-19 hitting, yeah. uh, Cleveland business community has been able to withstand that. Uh, the local community support Cleveland. There's somewhat of a motto to buy at home, buy yeah. in Cleveland. Yeah. And the citizen and the surrounding area support that endeavor. And as a result of that, our small businesses have been able to survive. And then when you add to the cleanliness of it, when you come into Cleveland, uh, you see a clean community. Uh, right. We have the Grammy Museum, Delta State University, and these fifty nights of lights uh, is just beautiful, uh, which fires the place up at the nighttime and brings citizens from all over the world. What a great uh, idea it was because it seems like it's gotten bigger and better, and you can tell the folks here are really proud of it. And uh, and and the merchants uh in the area the stores the shops uh those that uh make make their living here and have their their businesses here in cleveland they have tremendously benefited from the 50 nights of lights it's just good to see when you have the private sector and the public sector working together like that for something good for the community and the citizens. that's really the only way a community is going to survive no doubt uh, when you are able to pull the political uh group into the mix you get the public sector and the private sector with the business community stepping up and not just saying we are supportive, but they actually put their monies into it. Becca Nile, the first lady of Cleveland, uh, the mayor's wife, kind of led the charge along with Lucy Johnson and others and putting together the 50 Nights of Light. That has been good for Bolivar County. It's good for Mississippi Delta because we have folks coming from all over. Yeah. And when they come, they just don't come to see the lights. They come and they add value to their visit no by doubt. staying over. Uh, we have hotels that's coming up like the Kitten House uh, that came on with a rooftop yep. view of the nights, uh, uh, lights, and then other hotels uh, that have come into the area. So as a result of that, Cleveland, I think, is becoming a destination point. Uh, it's going to be a community with the university, the Grammy Museum, where individuals are going to come, and we're going to have com- uh, conferences and other kinds of small meetings where we're really going to be able to take advantage. And then Riverboat Queen, uh, the riverboats are uh, coming to Terrain Landing, 
and not just coming to the landing to look at the Mississippi River, but they're getting off the boats and coming into Bolivar County and the surrounding area. That's good, good to hear, and, and good to see that it, it's still um, a, a destination area. We got about thirty seconds left, Commissioner. Really quick, what's going on? Uh, what's really priority right now for you from a uh, your department area? From the uh, commissioner priority is to enhance the highways, the infrastructure system, so that individuals, tourists, and okay. business community can get into Cleveland and get out and feel comfortable with coming in with a good highway system. And that's what we're working on to make it work. I know we'll be talking more. we got the legislative session uh, coming up. I know you're going to be meeting with the legislators to, to make we'll, sure they we'll know. We've already started going. talking to them and asking them and thanking them for what they did. Sure. Uh, you sure. know that we got a $1.4 billion budget, which is the largest we've had. And we asked them to continue to do that and give us more to build our highways and always, always good to see you, sir. Appreciate you coming on. We're Thanks out of right. here today, folks, from Cleveland, Mississippi, for the 50 Nights of Lights. We'll be back in the Element Well studios, studios tomorrow in Jackson. Until then, stay safe and God bless everyone. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.